Have you guys heard of Rakuten? It's where you can shop all your favorite stores online and make money. Yeah, you can make money. I have made thousands of dollars. Granted, I've been on it for a while, but if you're someone who's an online shopper, you need to sign up right now. And you can use my invite link. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com slash R slash Divina 141. Rakuten.com slash R slash Divina 141. Happy shopping and make some money. Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I'm really excited for the episode we have Nina Bosky. She's basically a Marilyn Monroe expert. We are going to talk about all things Marilyn, about her mental illness, addiction, who she really was. We actually even have a message from Marilyn herself from the other side. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, we're talking about the TV docuseries and the podcast that basically shines a light on mental health and addiction due to the pandemic. And if you're a Marilyn Monroe fan, fanatic, you're going to love this episode. And if you're struggling with mental illness as well, you'll find it really helpful. Here's Nina. Hope you like the episode. Study Marilyn in the first place how did you decide that you were going to take her on as you know a figure that a lot of people obviously really still look up to this day what made you pick Marilyn how did it come to be <laughs> I don't know if Mar- if I picked Marilyn or Marilyn maybe picked me uh <laughs> I, I did not I did not seek out um, this, these projects, not even this project, these projects. So mm-hmm. uh, what happened was is um, I was working on a television show, and one of my clients had said to me, I've got this author who wrote a book on Marilyn, and would you mind giving him some pointers? And so mm-hmm. a lot of times at that time I was doing a, uh, a full-blown radio show and had four guests a week and it was a lot of a lot of reading because there was a lot of personal growth experts and different people writing books or movies or etc and so what I did was is I um, read the book and I thought wow this reads like a movie he should make mm-hmm. this into a movie and when I talked to him he said he had already had a script and it was optioned by HBO and they went with the biopic version this is definitely not a biopic version and so what happened was is um, I got involved in this uh, connecting the dots and very easily, very quickly, which is very unheard of. We had two offers within six months to do this movie. And it's, it's not a biopic. It's a thriller. It uses Marilyn as the backdrop, but it really isn't about her. She's the backdrop of it. So what happened was, is we fell out of escrow in that movie, went from very easy to very difficult. And so I said, well, let's start a, let's start a radio show and we'll, you know, find out what happened to Marilyn. Just like everybody else, I had only seen, when I say everybody else, meaning not the, the, the very engrossed Marilyn fan. I had, you know, seen seen documentaries on her, et cetera. And mm-hmm. I was very, very much convinced that uh, she was murdered. So I went into it with that, that kind of notion. And what happened very quickly was we compiled, which is now a 22-person expert team, and found out that 
what you think you know about Maryland in just the headlines and the documentary that was just released, et cetera, a lot of it's based on rumor and has really been already debunked. Uh, just most people don't know about it. So uh, the key here is I always say to people now is you want to know the truth or you just want to have a good story. Right. So oh, I, I like on Maryland. And so from there, there was a, there's a feature film called Goodnight Maryland. There's a TV docuseries in the work works that really debunks facts from probable theory to outlandish rumor. And then we also have a mental health and addiction component to it, which really makes our documentary quite unique. And the podcast, the dramatic podcast, and we're starting a special investigation series June 1st on Maryland's birthday to really debunk some of these things that have been out there, like books that have come out in the last three or four years, as well as the documentary that is on Netflix. There's a lot of, um, Anthony Summers has a lot of good stuff, uh, but the problem is, is in his documentary, he he comes out and says that I think that she was, she either overdosed or committed suicide, but most of that documentary mm-hmm. talks about the innu- innuendos about the Kennedys. So you don't walk right. away with that that message, you walk away with the Kennedys did something. I see. And why do you think people are still just so fascinated by her? Is it because like they don't know how she passed or just how she was when she was alive? You know, that's a really good question. And I get that question asked quite a bit. And I don't think there's just one answer, but I think there's a big answer than the one I'm going to give you. And so there's people that are going to be uh, attracted to her because she's glamorous and she was beautiful. And then she's a talented actress and all of those play a part. And then there's the mystery of her death. You think about it, right? You know, you got politics, you got sex, you got power, you got all this, you know, in the mystery of her death that is, you know, plaguing her legacy for six six decades. But when you really look at the Maryland fans, I think really what draws people to her is the Mm -hmm. fact that she's vulnerable. She's real. And I think that's really what drew and draws people to her today. It's it's not that childlike quality and it's that soulful quality that's very deep. She was a mystic. Mm-hmm. She was a deep soul. And most people don't know that. They think she was the dingy, you know, uh, ditzy blonde and didn't have a very mm-hmm. high IQ. And yet she had a very high IQ and she was extremely bright. I see. And I recently read something the other day. I wonder if you heard anything else about it or agree with me. But apparently Marilyn was very psychic. And yes. she turned to alcohol and drugs as coping for her, I guess, gifts that she couldn't really understand. Do you know anything about that? Well, I think she was a mystic and she was very metaphysical. She she certainly mm-hmm. delved deep into that area. She would probably be, um, you know, she was soul. So, so yeah. for that, I would say absolutely. But she comes from a, a line and legacy of mental illness. Her family is right. plagued with acute mental illness. So I don't know if, if that um, is a, a complete, uh, you know, answer to it. I think it's a combination of things, but I do know this is when people are very sensitive and they're empathic, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't. And so I think that back then they didn't have the tools that they have now. And so she probably didn't know how to deal with that energy in the ways that we know how to deal with the energy today. 
I see. So because you spend a lot of time educating people around addiction, mental illness, why is it important to this series? And could you give us more about, like, what kind of drugs and alcohol she was addicted to in her life, her, I guess, struggle with it? Yeah. So Marilyn was not addicted to alcohol. So just so you know, um, that's a lot of a myth. A lot of people don't know that, um, and they think she was drinking her last day, and she had absolutely mm-hmm. no alcohol in her system. She actually didn't drink as much as she's being portrayed out in the media. But she, yeah, but she was um, addicted to prescription drugs. Three months before she died, she had two doctors that were um, under her supervision or under their mm-hmm. supervision, and what what they prescribed was 900 pills, 700 of them were sleeping pills. And two of the narcotics that she was prescribed should never have been prescribed to her in conjunction with. So one of them was Nebutal and the other one was Chloral mm-hmm. Hydrate, which two drugs that she actually overdosed on. And Chloral mm-hmm. Hydrate is also the same drug that Michael Jackson used. It should only be administered very clearly through doctors and her doctors were uh let me just say this nobody really talks about the doctors but today's mm-hmm. standards not back to 62 standards but today's standards they would be brought up in charges just like michael jackson's doctor was that is interesting so what do you think that people who are probably suffering from addiction right now could learn from Marilyn? Well, you know, I I love to say this. Um, it's a tagline that I've used, and I said, you know, you can turn your life from a tragedy to a triumph, and and transform your life. And you know, Marilyn only lived 36 years, but in those 36 yeah. years, I she she lived more powerfully than some people live in 96 years. But with that said, just because Marilyn only lived 36 years, it doesn't mean that you are bound to your addiction. And what I mean by that is that Marilyn was extremely resilient and she was extremely, Mm -hmm. she was visionary and she was a hard worker. And most people don't realize that about her. So if you look at her life more as an inspiration and a resilient Mm -hmm. human being that actually was always seeking, just because she wasn't able to connect those dots, partly because of the time, et cetera, it doesn't mean that you can't. And so if you look at her resilience, she came into this world. Her mom w- wanted to keep her, but she was institutionalized. Mm-hmm. She, Her father disowned her and never, even into adulthood, never after he knew that she was Marilyn Monroe, still did not acknowledge her as his daughter. She was in 11 to 12 different foster homes and orphanages. She was physically and sexually abused. And at 16 years Mm -hmm. old, her caretakers or guardians could not, they were moving out of California and they couldn't take her with them. And so they married her off at 16 years old. And so when you look at her life and what she created, she became a prisoner of Marilyn Monroe. But underneath that was this beautiful, beautiful soul that had so much to give. And so if you use that as an inspiration to go, wow, if Marilyn could have created a complete character from the the childhood that she had, what mm-hmm. can I do? And that's what I'd like people to really get out of the podcast and also to to 
reduce the stigma of mental illness because I think yeah. it's just like if somebody had um, diabetes or something that was acute in a physical ailment, we've got to start looking at some of these mental health issues as just ways of this is my thing that I have in this life and how am I best to deal with it versus the shame that comes with acute mental illness. I see. Well said. So I guess you could say she was like an ultimate visionary and dreamer, right? So people can take that. Oh, my God. Yeah, she really was. And, you know, I don't know if some of your audience, you know, uh, they might already know this story, but Marilyn was in an orphanage close to what is now Paramount Studios. But back in the day, it was RK Studios. And she would look out that window and she would think, she would be dreaming. She would be envisioning a life as a movie star. She used to, um, one of the one of the homes that she lived in was uh, with a couple, a vaudeville couple. And mm-hmm. they would, you know, they were entertainers. So they'd stay up until all hours of the night. And so little Norma Jean at six, seven years old was going down Hollywood Boulevard back in the day, walking into a movie theater, would spend from morning to you know, early evening there, sometimes watching the same movie over and over again. And she'd be looking up at Jean Harlow and and think, oh, my gosh, I want to be just like her. Clark Gable was, um, she envisioned that was her father. And if you think about the ultimate visionary, how many of us get a chance decades later to be dancing at a Hollywood gala with Clark Gable, (laughs) the king of Hollywood, and he turns to her and says, yes but you are the queen of Hollywood. And so that's a that's a huge vision that was manifest. So think about that. With all that wow. fragmentation, you still have the ability to dream big. So I guess you could say she was like the ultimate manifesting queen. Like she really <laughs> took, right? It's she like did. when people yeah. want to know what to, I guess, how to manifest, they could look at how, how she did it with all the obstacles in her way. She was able to literally, like you said, like dance with somebody she would imagine was her father. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's just, uh, it's really, really powerful if you think that there's very few people that have lived on this earth that have that ability to manifest their dreams in such magnitude that Marilyn did. And she's more popular today than she was even back in 1962. And you think about she was she was probably the most well-known movie star of the time. So if you think about today, whether you're six years old or you're 96, everybody mm-hmm. knows who Monroe is. But if I were to ask somebody that's maybe 20, do you know who Clark Gable is or Tony Curtis or mm-hmm. Rita Hayworth? Nobody's going to know who those classic Hollywood stars are unless you're studying them. So that's just, she, you know, again, she she lived through this, this the time. She's almost timeless at this point. Very true. Any part of you that, like, look when you were, I guess, studying her, say, oh, my God, like, I really feel like a connection to her. Like, I feel, like, close to her one. Because I feel like when you're researching someone this much in so much detail, you find bits and pieces of yourself you can connect her to, right? I Yeah, I say to people, so my two producers on the podcast, Behind the Icon, Marilyn Behind the Icon, it's a dramatic podcast, and we have a lovely mm-hmm. woman, Erin Gavin plays her, but Gary Vitaka Robles is the author of Icon Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, and he's a mental health professional, Randall and I, when we first started our first radio podcast on the special investigation, 
um, Randall and I were meeting. This is an interesting story to kind of let you know how Marilyn infuses your life. So we were meeting for the first time. We were in, of all places, Phoenix at the Biltmore in Scottsdale, right there, out of, right out of Phoenix in Scottsdale Biltmore Hotel. I walk in to meet him for the first time, and there happens to be a Marilyn Monroe art exhibit. And the art exhibit is with her probably 50 feet all over the hotel lobby. Wow. That's the interest of Marilyn. Once you bring her into your kind of vortex of who you are, she's a bigger-than-life spirit. So just as big as she is on Earth, I, I really do feel like she has that bigger-than-life uh, spirit on the other side. And yes, all of us feel the connection with her and anybody that really gets to know her once she's, once she's in your field, um, it's hard to get around her. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> I love it. So um, back to the mental illness that she suffered for people who don't know, what did she exactly have? So I, for sure, we do, she was diagnosed with bipolar, um, but Gary Robles, who's a mental health professional in this month, uh, particularly is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, So, you know, bipolar is a chemistry in the brain that happens, but borderline personality is from childhood trauma, and it can be from Uh sexual trauma, et cetera. So it's it's not necessarily brain-based, but trauma-based. And so she wasn't diagnosed with borderline personality, but based uh-huh. on what we know today, she probably would have been. But back in 1962, they didn't have the diagnosis yet. And she had something called mixed episodes or depressive disorder. And so she had a lot of anxiety. And so with those, that, that uh, the bipolar and her mom was um, diagnosed as a schizophrenic, um, uh-huh. uh, had schizophrenia. Um, she certainly didn't want to be like her mom, but she she definitely suffered from acute mental illness and a lot of anxiety. As, as you know, she would be late for the set. And it wasn't because yeah. she was being difficult. It's that she really had that, that – she just had a lot of perfection pictures and a lot of anxiety about going and being perfect. And she, she really did study her craft and, and still with that, um, with all the narcotics and – you know, we had a psychiatrist on the first podcast that we were doing, and he was saying that, unfortunately, the narcotics back in 1962 that they prescribed were actually going against helping the bipolar disorder. So it actually wasn't helping her. It was exasperating the um, the condition. So <laughs> not exactly a great treatment. And she couldn't no, not at all. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I mean, we have so many more resources and tools than we had in 1962, but why do you think addiction and mental illness, they're just still at an all-time high? Why do you think that is? You know, I think one of the things as a society, and this isn't just with mental illness, it's with anything that is acute and challenging from the healthcare Mm -hmm. system to the educational system to the mental health system, we are not looking at it holistically and systemically. And so the challenge that we have right now is there's very high-end mental health rehab facilities for addiction and mental illness. And then you also have uh, resources for homeless, et cetera. It's that middle ground that maybe single mom or single dad or somebody that can't afford Mm. to be able to get 
that they need. And so what happens is that, you know, we end up, we end up having a really big challenge because the resources are there, but the connecting of the dots and being able to really help people holistically is not in place yet. And that's a, it's a big problem. And I wish I had an answer for you, but I also want to say this, we're coming out of a pandemic. We're in a very big Mm -hmm. world stress and the suicide rate is up um, from 2019 to 2020-21 to, to, to now 2022, it's at epidemic proportions. So we are not dealing with it in a way that we need to be and really looking at mental health care, just like we do with, you know, going to the gym or getting a higher education. We've got to look at our mental health, our mind health, our emotional health as a priority because, you know, the anxiety level in people we're all walking around with this anxiety and if we don't become aware and learn how to, to use tools to help us do it, it's just going to make it worse and worse and worse. And that's what we're dealing with right now. So it's a big problem. What do you think about the um, magic mushroom (laughs) protocol (laughs) for, for people suffering from depression, anxiety, PTSD, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know enough about it, but I do know this. There are some Navy mm-hmm. SEALs that I know that have done it and have actually transformed their lives. So my yeah. thing is, is if it works, hey, you know what? It, 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 as long as it works, it's not going to do damage to you. My yeah. thing is, is that, um, you know, a lot of what we're learning about the brain is that it's not fixed. It's very fluid, so there's a lot more that we can do with our brains than we realize. We think, you know, people go walking around going, well, I'm just wired this way. No, you're not just wired this way. You actually have the ability with the mind-body connection to be able to change things. And so, um, you know, I've heard a lot of good things coming from it, so I haven't done it myself, so I can't speak for it personally, but I do know people that have done it and have acute uh, PTSD and uh, or uh uh, PSTD. What is it? PTSD? What am, what PTSD. am I? Uh, am I yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get it right here. Is that um, have really had great benefits from it. So I do think that there, that if that's an avenue that somebody would want to explore, I would just say just make sure that you get somebody that knows what they're doing. I totally, totally agree. Maybe Marilyn, if she was alive today or at the time when it was, you know, available, it could have helped her. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> So, the Met Gala, I think we should talk about that dress. Can you tell us more about how you were referenced in the New York Post, as you said? Yes, the New York Post. Um, Yeah, a couple of us experts, Scott Fortner from the Maryland Connection, our collection, and uh, Michelle Morgan, who's also an author of Maryland, a very famous biographer, an incredible biographer. Um, I always like to to quote people that are credible. So we were asked um, about how we felt about it. You know, the headlines in media, they always create this, you know, uh, big headline that she wasn't worthy of it. And I want to just go on record saying I would never say that about anybody. It's not that Kim Kardashian is worthy of wearing the dress. I don't think anybody should be wearing the dress. It's a historical, cultural dress that should be, I think, kept in some ways sacred. And it was it was made for Marilyn Monroe and Marilyn Monroe alone. 
and I actually think it should have stayed there. So that's that's my my take on it. Um, I don't believe that she should have worn it. I don't care if you have fifty million dollars that you gave that that uh, you know. There's I think there's an honoring of a legacy, and um, mm-hmm. then there's things that you do for publicity. And I think I understand why she did it for publicity, but I think it also backfired on her because the Maryland fans are in a in a uproar around it. And um, you know, I just think also for her particularly, it took a lot to get into that dress, and she really yeah. could not wear wear it. And I think that. You know, that could have been also telling her something, but it also shows that, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And in her case, there was. And so she went ahead with it anyway. But uh, that would be my take on it. Um, I don't wish her any harm or anything like that. And I certainly don't think she's not worthy of it. It's just that I don't think anybody, whether you're Kim Kardashian or, you know, the, you know, uh, anybody in the in in uh, that is on the limelight should be wearing it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. It's just that nobody. I agree with you. I watched the video of them putting it on her with the gloves, and I literally was cringing because did they really think that the gloves would help the crystals stay on when it's being stretched at that magnitude? I mean, if yeah, as you said, like if it's not working, if it's not going on, there's probably a reason. Yeah, oh. and and also she's she's you know, there there she's got such a huge impact with young girls, and you know, right. losing that amount that amount of time, and still not really being able to wear the dress. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know why people do what they do, but I would say this is that that I, if it was a, a people contest, she would probably, most people would say, hey, you know, um, probably it should have been left uh, for people to view, but not for anybody to wear. Because unfortunately now that dress mm-hmm. is going to be associated with her versus associated right. with Marilyn Monroe. And I, I I don't think that's where the legacy should stay. I think the legacy should stay with Marilyn Monroe because they're very different energies, and mm-hmm. um, it should stay with the Marilyn Monroe energy. I agree. Well, that kind of also reminds me of, I read something the other day that people who, I mean, she's a very popular tattoo to get, and people have been removing her had their tattoos of her off their body because they're scared to emulate Marilyn's energy and for something to happen. What do you think about that? You know, I think that, let me just say this. I don't think Marilyn is from the other side going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person's wearing my dress. Uh, I think that personally my own viewpoint of the other side is I think we're not as attached. I think we're much more attached to the physical form than spirits on the other side i i think if she was attached to her living um worldly earthly plane man she would probably be rolling over and just going oh my gosh with the ex- exploitation and the rumors and the challenges i think really Marilyn was a simple girl and i think that mm-hmm. we we forget the humanness of her and i don't think she, right. there's the wrath of her um, i think that she 
flows and I don't think she's uh I don't think she's really that concerned about her dress on the other side. <laughs> I think we're more concerned about it to be honest with you. <laughs> I kind of I kind of have like a I don't know if it's still your crazy question but it's a you know spiritual podcast. Have you ever consulted with a medium to talk to her? Oh, I I actually there's one uh Thomas John who is a very okay. famous uh and uh so I know him personally. He's part of my Association of Transformational Leaders. And so, yeah, I mean, the Maryland energy is there. I, I didn't, like, actually set up an appointment to talk to him, but we've talked to, talked about Maryland. Uh, but I would say that, you know, I'm I'm pretty empathic myself, so I don't actually okay. need somebody to go talk to Maryland. I can, I can, I can tune into her, and I'll tell you this, yeah. that she's not so concerned with, all of the hoopla, the Kennedys and the Kardashians, you know, really, she goes, there's, there's much bigger concerns in this world. And she wants to be an inspiration and a light to people versus a, you know, did Kim Kardashian wear my dress or did the Kennedys kill me? She's really not concerned with that. That's not really where her, um, where she wants to put her energy in terms of she's more interested in healing and sending light and inspiration to people. And that's one of the reasons why we have refocused the podcast to really be that of helping people and using her legacy for good and not for exploitation of, oh, my gosh, you know, Marilyn Monroe and who killed her. She was so much more than her death. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I got chills. Marilyn's a healer. she is a healer she was and she did like i told you she was a very mystical soul and she was a seeker if you if you read any of her poems um she was a tortured soul but what a deep deep soul the things that were coming out of her and i do want to say this for anybody that you know because it'll probably happen this year um as we get closer to her anniversary of her death and all the stuff that's coming out with her 60th anniversary of her death is that you'll mm-hmm. see these things in the tabloids about this red diary. And, you know, when you when you see the red diary and she, she they make her uh, act as if she's writing from a 14 or 15-year-old, kind of like a school crush, I want mm-hmm. your audience to know Marilyn never wrote that way. She would never write that way. If you really want to know Marilyn Monroe, pick up the book Fragments. You know, pick up okay. Gary Vitaka wrote book icon lifetimes and films of Marilyn Monroe and you know those are the you know Michelle Morgan's book I mean this you know Anthony Summers goddess that's the Netflix uh documentary he had the good news about uh Anthony is he has a lot of tapes that were um out of that period that these people are now long gone but the challenge that that Anthony uh talked about in his book and also in the Netflix documentary is Unfortunately, a lot of what he put out there has already mm-hmm. been debunked. Am- ambulance that came to Marilyn's house. And it's just, it gets a really challenging because, you know, every few years something like that comes out. And our our big push and big um, message to the world is if you want to know the truth, our special investigation series will break down for you what is a fact, what is a probable theory, and what is an outlandish rumor. Unfortunately, with the Netflix documentary and a couple of other books that have come out in the last couple of years, they combine all of those and they act as if it's a fact. And so you as the audience, you as the reader, come away thinking it's a fact when in reality it's a rumor or a probable theory and you just don't know it. 
I see. Oh, okay, great. Good to know. Nina, this was <laughs> so insightful. Like, really a pleasure to talk to you. Can you tell everybody where to find you and all that? Yeah. Yeah, so just so you know, we are coming out with a special investigation series. We have the dramatic podcast out right now. It's called Marilyn Behind the Icon, and they can go to BehindTheIcon.com and listen to all the dramatic episodes. And as of June 1st, we are starting this special investigation series, and we will break down for you what is fact, what is probable theory, and what is outlandish rumor. Amazing. Thank you again, Nina. All right. Lots of love to you. Bye-bye. Take care. Likewise. Bye. I'm so excited for this next partnership. I love CBD. I love hemp. They have both helped me so much in my wellness journey. And I'm always open to partnering with amazing brands that can help others. And Feel Good Hemp was started by Noah. Noah's father was diagnosed with cancer and he was on a mission to heal him. And that's what he did. He created this amazing brand of tinctures, gels, and bombs. The bomb is called The Bomb. It's really amazing. It has the cleanest ingredients, just oils and hemp. What more can you want from that? He's been so, so sweet to give my listeners a code, 25% off, free shipping, if you use the code DIVINE25 at checkout, uh, it's basically the subscription coupon, but you're not subscribing. You're just getting the deal. What's better than that? Thank you, Noah. We really appreciate you. And yeah, so go to Feel Good Hemp and check him out. DIVINE25 at checkout. And let me know what you guys think about it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple, reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.